0: Well, good morning. That was a little tasty this morning. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. That was really good. Aren't you thankful for Peter? Just let him know how thankful you are. Come on. That was just glorious. Hmm. So, did you guys sleep okay? Yeah? Yeah? Everybody rested? Sure. Yeah, need another nap, don't we? All right. So, we're going to talk about soil, and my... My heart and my desire would be that any time in life that you find yourself in a prison, that you now see yourself with keys and how to keep on moving. So that's kind of my heart for this. And we're really going to talk about the the soils, and I'm really going to stay... Just with one part of the parable of the soils in Act, I mean in Luke um, eight. So, if you want to turn there, that will be good. So, Father God, I I'm so grateful that we are meant. Grow from glory to glory. You have actually sovereignly said you are to grow in the soil of my glory, and I thank you that this is a, a presence-based people. There's there's nothing greater. There's not a there's not a better core value. High value than being a presence based people. Because we don't we don't do anything out of the place of abiding in you. And so I just ask this afternoon that you'd begin to we just say, you're the farmer. And Jesus, we just thank you that you're the vine and we are the branches. We are grafted in. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. It's actually impossible as believing believers to be separated from the love of God. And I thank you from that place, from that position of sonship, that we actually live out abundant life. In Jesus' name, amen. So if I would say, outside of the simplicity of the gospel, I have have one great mandate and mission, which is, first and foremost, to to be a son, to raise up sons, that we never grow past our sonship. And this is a non-gender thing, biblical sonship. So we never grow past being a son or daughter. That's always the position that we stay in. That's the greatest honor and position that you have. Our father, which means that you are sons and daughters. We don't grow past that. You don't, you know, your position is not, oh, great apostle of the planet. It's not, that's a function of who you are. But it's actually, so if you're a CEO, if you're a teacher, whatever you do doesn't define you. That's a function of who you are. And so your first place is in him as a son. So, but the the, the movement, my, the longing of my heart is to raise up a people that, that, that is locked into that sonship, but then who gets to grow in maturity as mothers and fathers. I want to see a movement of mothers and fathers, because you want to see a sustained Kingdom, you want to see sustained revival. You want to see cities transformed. It can't be done for multi generations without mothers and fathers. And so, I-, I-, I long to see a movement of that because all of us are called to be mothers and fathers. It's positionally planted in your DNA to be like your father. But a lot of us stay child-ish rather than child-like. And we never mature into fatherhood. And so what I hope to... To bring today is, is, is real practical. I, I, I'm, I'm not teasing is I, in, a, in saying that I hope today changes your life. And I don't just mean with an encounter. You're actually going to have to walk this stuff out that I'm talking about. And I think these are principles of the kingdom that if a a community begins to grab them, we're going to see a reformation like none other, that really the torch of revival will be passed to multiple generations. Because that is the heart, right? We're called to disciple individuals, but we're all um, called corporately to care and to disciple a nation. If you want to see the nation of Australia discipled, this is keys to living out discipling nations, to living for multiple generations. So, let's talk about soil. Say, I'm good. I'm happy. I like to smile. Oh, man, the, the Lord's convicted me for years. I, have a, I oversee Bethel Health, and my assistant, her name is Elise, and she always goes, Smile, Justin. I know you're happy inside, but let everybody else know. I'm super happy. My wife says it, too. She's like, Honey, I know you're happy, but inform your face." Yeah, yeah, Uh. all right. How many of you guys like to garden? Ha, 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 ha. Well, the father's a gardener, so here we go. Um, we're just gonna we're gonna we're gonna start in uh, Luke eight. We're gonna start with verse nine. And when his disciples asked him, "What does this parable mean?" He said, "To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom." Did you know that you? as a believing believer get the secrets of the kingdom it was really helpful for me to learn that the secrets of the kingdom weren't for that special person in the stadium with the microphone and it was for me just as a dad as a husband The secrets of the kingdom aren't only in the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. They're actually a manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit being evident in your life. So the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are parables. That seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Say this with me. Say, I have good ears. I have great hearing ears. Did you know that the spirit of wisdom is simply a listening ear? It's a listening ear tuned to the Father. And wisdom is different than knowledge. Knowledge is gained. Wisdom is received. And I long for nothing more than to be filled with the spirit of wisdom. Because it means I'm manifesting in my life, my practical everyday life, the nature of him. I'm actually walking it out. And when we feel disconnected from that voice, that's why the voice of the Lord is so important. And it's so important to know in our mind that we hear the four voices you hear yourself, you hear the enemy, you hear God, and you hear others. It's really important to know that. Because then you really can take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, because it's not all yours. And it's super helpful to walk out the kingdom lifestyle every day to know I'm actually now responsible for this thing. And it's all only in Him. And so the the concept of wisdom and hearing are natural and normal for you, it's who you are. You hear the Lord. You hear him. You hear him in the word. You hear him in that still small voice. You hear him through revelation. You hear him as you walk out a lifestyle of healthy boundaries. Boundaries are set principles that are pliable like water, they're like a river to the moving of his voice. If boundaries are done outside of his voice, they're most likely walls. Boundaries actually move with him. So my no yesterday, I may have a yes today. And my yes today may be a no tomorrow. If you want to get really good at time management, simply have the spirit of wisdom present with you. I saw a picture of, especially us in the States, I'm sure it's like that here, but I saw us taking a clock in America. I saw us holding this alarm clock and we were trying to squeeze every ounce of energy out of this thing we called time. And it was killing us. Because we thought we were being proactive when really we just became professional religious people. Rather than people that just rest in the abiding presence of who he is. And that comes through the context of time. And we're going to really hit on that here in a moment. But let's just, let's just skip down to the soil that you are. It's just your soil. As for that, this is verse 15, as for that in the good soil. Everybody say, I have good soil. I am good soil. They are those who, hearing the word, hold fast to it in an honest and good heart and bear Much fruit with patience. Man, doesn't that last word just get you? It's so fun to bear present day fruit. It's really fun. But when you're actually living in a winter season because you're meant to live in four seasons, you're meant to live. We love especially performance cultures, which most Western cultures are performance-based cultures. They're not relationship-based, but they're performance-based. They love to be in a constant, perpetual state of fruit, which if you are in that, we end up raping our land. Rather than learning the cycles of rest the cycles of the preparing for fruit, actually being patient with our fruit, which looks like I really need to get good and secure in winter and in fall, because it's time to bear root systems that will hold up the fruit for the next season, which looks a lot like patience. Jesus, right after he stepped Right after he got out of the, the baptism where the father came down and gave him the key, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased before he did anything. Immediately he was led into the wilderness. And that one part where the, the, the enemy asks him, which is, is right before this, it's actually in the Matthew In the Matthew 1. Right before this, the enemy comes to him and says, I will give you all the kingdoms. I will give you all the fruit. I think a lot of us would actually jump at that opportunity, which we have. It's called being a workaholic, a kingdomaholic, a producingaholic. Save the whole world, yet lose our soul. And Jesus looks at the enemy and says, I don't want the whole world because the Father has another plan to get the world. And if we don't know the plan of the world, we will live out doing instead of being. We will live out producing, and the pressure of producing kills the soil of our heart if we don't understand the season we're in. One of the greatest things you can ask yourself is, Father, what season am I in? And if I'm in fall, and the Father's coming with those scissors, and he doesn't come with the scissors to punish you, he comes with those scissors to disciple you, to prune you. So you can actually bear more fruit in him. But he loves pruning. He loves to prune us. To prune our heart. Because he's always in this perpetual state of wanting to bless us with more rather than crush us with more. Have you ever been crushed by the favor of man? Rather than the rest of your Father, the place of peace with your Father, where there's no striving, there's only abiding. Everybody say, I'm happy. And in this, it's never the perfection of our life. It's the direction of our life that actually produces the connections that you were born to have, to be, to live in. This perpetual state of connection. It's what this whole journey is all about. I love to teach uh, in, in marriage conferences and seminars and I love to ask people, I do it all the time in in marriage counseling. What's the goal of your marriage? Most people start out with kids. (laughs) And most start out with all this great list of doing, we're going to do great things for God. We want to be in ministry together. And if that's your goal, your relationship is built on sand. Because we all change. (laughs) We all differ. And it's the most greatest heartbreak when people come to me and say, but we were both called to Africa, and he said 10 years in, I don't feel called anymore. He ripped me off. And I say, yeah, well, it was built on a dream less than the dream that the Father had for you which is actually a heart connection one to another, that's birthed out of intimacy and love and truth and honesty and freedom. I love watching our kids. I have four girls. I just got out of diapers getting ready to go back in. and diapers for like 10 years. Whew. And it, wouldn't it be a shame though, and it's kind of what we do, and we do this to ourselves more than we even do it to others. Why can't you walk yet? You should be able to walk. Why are you still crawling? But we don't mature. We don't grow. We don't allow our, ourselves the time to grow these areas of our heart. And we immediately think we walk into the character of maturity. You don't walk into the character of maturity. Character is actually developed over time in abiding. Giftings are free. Character is expensive. It costs you something. And it's not about work it's oh, i got to strive be better be no no it's actually to learn and to lay back into rest into him and just have really big ears this whole entire parable is about hearing is about listening to the present present voice of the lord cuz he's so present he's so so present. And so with our kids, it'd be a shame if I was like, what's wrong with you? You're two and you still keep on falling over. Two year olds should always be able to walk. Because look at your sister, she was able to walk at nine months. When we live a life of comparison one to another, we rob ourselves from our identity. Comparison is a devil that rips so many people from living present with their life because they say the shoulds. I should be like that. Why am I not like this? Look at them. And rather than true respect and honor, we live a life of envy towards one another. Just, just kind of move a little bit. Say, Justin's really happy. So happy. <laughs> He's so proud of you when you're just you. Because if you're not falling, you're probably not trying. If you're actually not failing in this thing called growth, you're probably not trying. And I don't mean the sin of failure. I mean just the growth. The trying new things. Oh, I missed it there, Lord. And we're repeating this over and over, and it's in this parable. But if you don't know your good soil, it's just all wiped out. And if you don't know the difference between discipline and punishment, you'll live a life of shame. Because you'll go to one extreme or the other. You'll be this extreme over here that just says... No, I, n- I never feel that feeling of conviction. Oh, I mean, shame. Because that's what they call it. Oh, that, that thing of shame, no, I don't feel that anymore. I'm just a son. He's proud of me. My life is hell. My marriage is a wreck. I'm disconnected from everything around me and myself. But it's the finished work of the cross. I'm good. I'm good. Justin, I don't need this type of a message here. This is finished. It's finished. I'm good. And if we don't learn how to discern good and evil, that's what discernment is. It's discerning right and wrong. And if you spend a lot of time discerning for others, you're probably entertaining a different voice than his. Discernment's for you to discern this. And when I'm discerning my heart and I begin to, to move into the pruning, Father, come prune me. I love your pruning. I love the winters with you. I love the moments where there's, it doesn't look to the eye like there's any fruit happening. That's because my roots are going so deep. I was raised and born around redwood trees. They're the tallest tree in the world. And the only way these things stand up Is not on their own, but because they're in groves with groups with the family. That's how they grow so tall, because their root systems aren't deep, they're wide. Because they intertwine with one another, which holds them up. It's Such a beautiful picture of family in the kingdom and cultivating just this kingdom lifestyle that lives in this place of abiding with him and with each other. If I don't know my responsibility, a lot of times I stay stuck. I stay frustrated. I stay confused. I put a lot of my responsibility on others. Well, you don't listen to me. You don't know how to connect with me. You hurt me. God, you didn't rescue me. rather than understanding what I'm presently responsible for, gives me freedom to walk out of a prison. And I'm going to give you a few things that in a healthy way, your responsibility in connected to the farmer and to the vine. And obviously, I'm just massively reference John 15. We probably won't read it. But first, we're responsible for our resource. Our resources being time, finances, energy, our bodies, our growth. And once we realize what's ours... We then get to walk out of the wilderness experience into the promised land because we begin to be trusted with the fruit of abundance. It was always shocking to me that once the children of Israel transitions from the wilderness to the promised land, all the things that God was doing for them as infants, he stopped doing free food. Your clothes didn't wear out. Everything, heater, you got a heater, Holy Ghost heater. <laughs> Cloud shows up, just the shade. As soon as they crossed over the Jordan into the promised land, all that stuff stopped. Which, what I'm not saying is, miracles have ended <laughs> at all. <laughs> At the same time, your ownership looks different as someone who is maturing in the kingdom of heaven. Paul says, no longer do I want to feed you something like milk because it's going to cause you to stay stuck. It's going to cause you to stay immature. But I want to give you something of substance that you get ownership in the vine." But if we don't take ownership in the vine, we walk around these wildernesses and wondering why is my life winter? Rather than I have these seasons of life and I know what to do, I know how to be responsible with the season that daddy's given me. And one of the beautiful ways of growing this is is a lot what, as a church community, I've talked to you a lot about, but I want to give you a practical list. (laughs) And I I love lists. I really do love principles. I want principles of the kingdom. Principles never trump the presence But principles trump that place of, of, of when I'm still hearing, but he's saying, what are you going to do? Don't you love that transition from servant to son? When he looks at you and says, what are you going to do? You're not going to tell me anymore? And this is actually growing up in our most holy faith. When we actually hear the voice and he says, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? He gives you the ball and you're like, Ha! This thing you called life, you just gave it to me? Take it back. Please take it back. All of you, none of me, come on, let's do that again. That was a really great season. And he says, no, I want to give you a new, another weight of glory. Which is responsibility. And if we're not responsible with this world, we'll never be responsible with his. Which he has actually given to you to subdue to cultivate. So Take a deep breath. Just go ahead. Just in through your nose. Come on. Out through your mouth. Uh. how do you view you how do you view yourself and a lot of times I hear people they're longing for somebody to ask them good questions It's actually what I have done for a living for a long time. Ask people good questions. And we always want that family, that grove, that trees, the the redwood trees. We always want people around us that can ask good questions. But the more we grow, we want to take ownership for asking ourselves good questions to actually know how we're stewarding our life. And again, this all... Picture just the resting on the Father's lap. This is all resting in the love and grace of the Holy Spirit. How do you view your body? Most people I know are so disrespectful to themselves. They live in comparison when it comes to this. Remember Grandma? They're angry at their bodies. Rather than stewarding, what Daddy said is really good. This is Genesis. This is Genesis. And I love it. He, he, made, he made everything else. He said, oh, this is good. He made you and said, oh, this is very good. Beautiful people. If you don't see this as beautiful, you're under the influence of a lie. It's one of the reasons sexuality is so out of control in our planet. Because we don't know what to do with Beauty. And so we hide it under a rug. We say, we're not going to talk about that. Rather than being the most free, healthy, responsible people with our bodies. With actually loving and enjoying what God created you to be and look like. And loving those things that you have previously disliked because you said they maybe don't hold up to the standard cultural beauty, but to actually see yourself through his eyes. This is where eating disorders come from. This is where food addiction comes from because we begin to hate our bodies rather than enjoy and love what God has given to us to enjoy and love. Your bodies are good. And if you've been in a church or under the influence of, of old doctrine that would say things like the only thing good about you is your spirit and your body and your soul is going to... Well, not your soul. I was going to say it's going to burn. That was going to be a bummer if your soul burns. <laughs> your body's going to burn anyway. I'm getting a new one. I used to, it used to be quoted all the time to me. Can't wait till I have my new body. Getting a new one. That's why I don't steward the one I have. Just going to be an orphan in it with it. Stewarding your body is super important. Stewarding, and I mentioned it a second ago, but stewarding your sexuality Actually, opening the topic of sexuality is such a big deal. Because it's so hidden right now. I talk to my kids about sex. We talk about it all the time. They're 12 to 5. Why? Because it's normal. Most cultures outside of the English, Western culture that has lived with this prude-type experience towards sexuality. It said, hide, hide, hide in shame. And the challenge is when you hide in shame, you're probably in the closet doing something else. Rather than living in light. Fire and light, right? Come on, had to get it in there. Living in the light. Staying in the light. Saying sex is good. In context of covenant, sex is so good. Your sexuality is good. You being a man, you being a woman is beautiful, is freeing. You being the best you by just embracing who God has made you and your sexuality is so beautiful. I've talked to so many people that are so confused with sexuality Like, I don't know. I've been attracted to men my whole life and I'm a man. I'm like, yeah, because they're beautiful. Instead, the churches came with shame and condemnation and said, Ew, that's gross. How could you say the same sex is beautiful? Well, God did. But he said the covenant of husband and wife, the covenant of sex is actually in the context of marriage. For life, one man, one woman, one flesh. But when we steward our little boys and our little girls and con- say, What do you mean you think Johnny's beautiful Joe? That's wicked. That's homosexuality. No, it's actually just understanding that people are beautiful. And when we riffed out that people are beautiful, we threw it in a closet of just a perversion that the church has been under for so long. Rather than the beauty of what he's created. You are beautiful. You are so beautiful. Man, woman in here, you are gorgeous. Created in our Father's image. Wow. Look at yourself and say, Wow. Man. Okay, take a deep breath again. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) We don't destroy one devil by another devil you don't destroy sexuality perversions with shame we've been so doing that for so long so we're open we talk about it we're actually able to look at each other as fathers and mothers and say how are you doing how are you viewing your body how are you doing sexually How's everything going? How's everything going at home? Sex good? Oh, sex is actually hard. Oh, you have vaginal miss. Oh, you have erectile dysfunction. Oh, you have things going on. God cares about that. He cares about your sex life. It's a big deal. The human race is dependent on it. (laughs) We've swept it over to a little corner. There's a whole book of the Bible on it. It's called Song of Solomon. That's not just about you and God. There's some crazy stuff in there that I would teach about in a different context. It's a big deal, guys. And being free, living in the light, and living in the right version, right? Because I said this last night, but the enemy can't create anything, he can only pervert what God created. That's all he has. He's a liar, he's a thief. He's a pervert. Wrong version. That's all he can do, guys. But when we stay hidden and we're not able to embrace the healthiness of what God has created you to be, a beautiful man or beautiful woman, we just live in confusion. Your intellect, your emotions, your will, asking yourself these questions. How do I view my mind? How do I view my knowledge? How do I view my intellect? Am I cruel to myself? Am I mean to myself? Because I don't know about you, but the Bible says that love is patient and kind. And we're not only looking for everybody else to be kind and the Father to be kind. You need to be kind to you. It's called the stewardship of you. You ever want to read the love chapter and ask yourself, am I patient with me? Am I kind with me? Am I long-suffering with me? Or do I always tell myself, you should be somewhere else, and you're not. your spirit. When's the last time somebody's walked up to you and just said, how are you doing with the Lord? How are you doing with him? How's his voice? Are you hearing him? Do you love the letter that he gave you? Are you reading that and you're enjoying that? I was on a little 24-hour getaway with my wife and I was just on a walk with the Lord and ah, oh, it's just so beautiful and He just looked at me and he said something that was shocking and hard at first. He said, if your wife passed and she had written you tons of letters, wouldn't you cherish those? Cherish mine like you'd cherish those. And I love the Bible. I love it. How's your gift and talents? Are you you happy? Are you stewarding? How's your time, your money, your job? What do you think about your future? What do you think about your present? And what do you think about your past? Never visit the past outside of the blood of Jesus. But if you never visit your past, you'll probably stay stuck. Because you repeat the perpetual cycles of the previous generations. Being able to take a healthy look at your past through the eyes of the blood of Jesus actually allows you to grow yourself up through and in him. Because I'm not afraid of the past. No, No matter what has happened, what has come, And there's so much pain for so many of us in the past. And I talked so much about that last night. But if we visit it through the eyes of Jesus, we actually get to walk out mourning and healing. Which feels a lot like freedom and joy. Mourning and joy are not opposite. They actually unlock one another. If you only have grief or if you only have joy. Have you guys seen in and out I mean, not in and out Inside Out. in and outs good too. Let's just stop for that again. <laughs> oh man, just watch it. Yes, it's, so it's really good. Yeah. All right, we're going to wrap it up here. Your future, your past, your present. Your, your energy and your limits. I meet so many believers, and I'll end with this, who have no clue about their limits. They always say this to me. Well, Jesus walked on water. This is the supernatural culture with limits. I need to actually bracket that. Supernatural culture with limits, because if you don't have a supernatural culture with limits, it's going to be a bummer. Meaning it's just a natural culture. You'll be stuck in your limits always. That's why God is limitless. But Jesus lived with limits in his life. Yes, he walked on water once. I don't mean don't pursue that. I love watching people try to walk through walls. It's so fun. (laughs) And they're probably going to do it sometime. But I just like it. (sighs) So we want to pursue the impossible. But if we do that outside of his voice... Will live discouraged. And I love the moments where he says, Pursue it, no holes bar. And then the moment he says, Stop getting wet. Because you're just frustrating yourself. I'm not talking about walking on water right now, I'm talking about I'm going to make you lie down in that green pasture. Sit. I love you. But if we don't know our limits, and, and what I want to talk about in, in, a, in a moment to you is the priority of relationship in the context of limits and in the context of, of, of understanding ourselves with one another, with relationship. Because it's the thing... Um, I'm going to talk about the limit of time, and the limit, and the in um, the relational connections of prioritizing um, what comes first. Because if you know your yeses, it's really easy to have no's Then, if you know, hey, I'm on a date with my wife. So, Justin, when you call me and ask me to move those tables for church tomorrow, I'm sorry, I can't. What do you mean you can't? It's the service of the kingdom. I know he doesn't do that. Well, because I'm on a date with my wife and this is my most important relationship. Number one, outside of number zero, meaning he's encompassing the all in God. Everything I do is unto him and in him and through him. So we're going we're gonna to take a minute and I'm going to give you another list, but I want to read off this, this list that I just read to you a moment ago. And this is questions to ask yourself, how am I doing? And the beautiful thing with a fathering and mothering movement, these are great questions to ask one another, to build a culture of asking, how are you doing in this? What's going on here? And and get, you remember, we don't ask questions out of speculation and thinking people are doing bad. This is a culture of the kingdom. We actually love, we just expect this beautiful thing of growth and hope to be in those places that you feel discouraged in. This is actually true fathering. It's not, how are you doing? What happened last night? It's, how are you doing? I'm expecting life in the best. I have an expectation of the best because this is our father, our father who out in heaven. So let me read the list. How do you view you? How do you view your body? How do you view sexuality, your sexuality? How do you view your IQ, your learning, your intellect, your thinking? How do you view your emotions, your heart? Those places of deep feelings to embrace them all as not good or bad, but as just part of you that doesn't lead your life, but helps guide it. I don't want to be led by my emotions, but I sure like them. Experiencing joy and love are really fun. And I'm never going to experience them if I don't experience grief and sadness. How do you view your actions, your will, your doer, the doer part of you? If you're a machine in doing, it's going to be a bummer. But if you're like, I don't do anything. I just sit in the abiding presence of God all day. That's probably another bummer, unless you're called to be a monk, which I love them. Seriously. How do you view your spirit? How do you view your giftings and talents? How do you view your time? I didn't get to touch on that one enough, but how do you view your money? How do you view your job? Work is simply worship. Present day work in Genesis, he said, subdue the earth, take care of it. That was prior to the fall. It's worship. And in Colossians, it says, do do it all with the sacrifice of praise unto him. Work is worship now. So your normal job, if you have a bad attitude about your job, you need to repent. Repent. And you need to see it as important as shooby-dooby up here. Good. As the honeypot of glory up here. You need to be just as into that spreadsheet that I'm doing it all unto him. I lost my place, so what's where? Uh, money, did I say money? Yeah. Money, job, oh job. Future, present, your past, your energy, and your limits. So asking yourself questions, that makes you a real self-aware individual that actually gets to manage you unto the nature of the kingdom. So close your eyes. Father God, I just thank you that we are sons and daughters, and I thank you for a community that is not childish, but they're childlike. They keep the place of the healthy joy, the healthy smile, the healthy mourning. But they're also really present with how they feel. They're present with their money. They know how to steward what you have given them. And I thank you that you're moving us from the wilderness into the promised land to actually raise up, like you said in in your prayer, in the apostles' prayer. Our Father out in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I thank you that we get to manage this side of earth that brings heaven. And you've actually given us the keys of management under your authority. And under your voice. And under your lordship. So I just bless this community. In Jesus' name.